Okay, so here we go. We are about to get into the message, and we uh, have been, we're on week, what is this, week four of The Lord is Gracious. Everybody say, The Lord is Gracious. And we have a key verse that we've been looking at that's kind of been guiding us throughout this series. Uh, but instead of me reading it, we have invited different kids from our Antioch Kids Ministry to read these verses. And we got another kiddo, brave kiddo this morning, Ellie. Go ahead and come on up here, Ellie. Give it up for Ellie. Ellie, how old are you? You can stand right here. How old are you, Ellie? Six. Six years old. You're so brave. Way to go, girl. Okay, so this is uh, from the book of Psalms. I'm going to let you take it from here. You can read this verse for us. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. Psalm 145, 8 and 9. Woo! Give it up for Ellie. Come on, one more time, one more time. Come on, way to go, Ellie. <laughs> so proud of you. Way to go, Ellie. That takes some courage right there. So way to go, girl. That is, I did not do that when I was six years old. <laughs> so, all right, guys, the Lord is gracious. Anybody thankful that God is gracious? He's compassionate. He's merciful. Is he quick to anger? No, he is slow to anger. So our goal throughout this series has been pretty simple. It's that we would believe what Ellie just read, that we would believe Psalm 145, 8 and 9, that God is gracious. And not just that we would believe it in here. You know, we, we need to unravel, we need the Lord to unravel, I guess, false assumptions about what God is like. We need the Lord to unravel it. We don't want to just like know that verse and agree with it, but what we want is we want to experience the Lord is gracious. Like in your day-to-day -day life, when, when you're going through hard things or when you're going through great things, what is your experience of the Lord in those moments? In your car alone, when you lay down um, at night on your, on your bed, what do you experience and feel about the Lord? And the truth of what we just read is what my hope is that we begin to experience more and more and more, that the Lord is gracious. He is slow to anger. He's full of compassion for us. And not only in general, but he's specifically gracious to us in our most common struggles. Somebody say amen for that. <laughs> he is gracious to us in our most common struggles. And we've been going through different common struggles the last couple weeks. But first, let me, let me give you a little recap of the definition here of the word gracious. So there's a slide that uh, will be up here. And in our English kind of definition, there's three words that are similar to gracious. One is courteous, kind, pleasant. But in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word kanun is only used as an attribute of God. Let me pause there. Like this word is really special that in the Hebrew it is like set apart for God. Like his graciousness is so beyond any grace that we can experience from another human being that they have like a different Hebrew word for God's graciousness. And here it is. It's as hearing the cry of the troubled person in need. That troubled person could be someone who's frustrated, someone who's worried, and that person in need is someone that's in debt or in the hole. And another way to say that is it's a person that's got themselves in a hole. A person that's got themselves in some sort of situation that is dire or that is leading to distress or just a hard situation. The Lord is gracious that he hears even those of us that get ourselves in a pit he is gracious to hear us and reach out to help us. 
That is the extent of the grace of the Lord, and I'm so thankful that he is gracious. So he's patient. He's not quick to snap at us. He's not waiting for us to mess up so he can correct us. He is not distant and disinterested in our lives. He's not frowning at you. He's not frowning at you. He's ready to help us in troubles and in our struggles. And if we ever wonder if this is true about God, what we can do is we can look at the life of Jesus. Because in Hebrews chapter 1, we did this verse the last couple weeks, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. That is so powerful and so cool to me. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. So as we look at the life of Jesus and we look at the way that he interacted with people, we can get a taste of what the true Father God is like. In the last few weeks, we looked at stories in the gospel where Jesus is interacting with someone and showing grace in the midst of sin. We looked at a story where Jesus is being gracious in the midst of someone's doubts. Last week, Larry preached, and he looked at a story of Jesus being gracious in the midst of fear. And this week, we get to look at a story, kind of a long story, of how the Lord is gracious to us in our pain. The Lord is gracious in our pain. Somebody say the word pain. Okay, have any of you ever experienced pain in your life? Okay, about 16 of you. Awesome. Every Sunday, guys. Come on. I asked a question. I want you to raise your hand, and 16 of you do. How many of you guys have experienced pain in your life? Okay, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Yay! Yay! Pain! <laughs> I didn't say you had to shout, but you know, it's good. Okay, we, we all have experienced pain in our life, and what we need most is to experience the Lord being gracious to us in our pain. Not the Lord just kind of frowning at us and saying, come on, get out of your pain, get out of your struggle, get out of your hurt, come on, get, get, get over it and move on. We need the Lord to, we need to experience the Lord as gracious because when we experience his grace, it leads to our healing. And there's a lot of different types of pain out there. There's, and I'm going to show you a couple different things here. So there's emotional pain, there's physical pain, there's relational pain. I have a slide that kind of describes a couple of these here. So by emotional pain, I mean things like grieving a loss, maybe of a loved one, a major disappointment in life, unfulfilled dreams, unanswered prayers, maybe struggling with anxiety or depression, having trouble trusting God. Those are all examples of emotional pain that we might feel. Physical pain is serious or minor injury, chronic illness, constant headaches and dizziness, maybe a diagnosis that was bad from the doctor, or food allergies. Those would be examples of physical pain that we walk through. And then relational would be being rejected by others, maybe mistreated by coworkers, maybe a really hurtful betrayal from someone that you used to walk closely with. Hurt by church leaders, maybe a break of trust in the marriage or dating, being slandered or gossiped about, et cetera, et cetera. So here's what I know is true, is that everybody in this room, you have in your life at least once experienced one of these things. Nod your head if that is true. You've experienced one of these things. But also my guess is that everyone in this room or most are experiencing one of those things right now. You might be walking through something that's really emotionally painful. You might have a sickness that you don't know how to get rid of and it's been lingering for a while. You might have had a, a break in some sort of relationship that was um, strong for you in the past. And here's, again, what we need to know is that the Lord is gracious to us. And also, let me say it differently. He understands. He knows exactly what you feel. He knows exactly what you're thinking about this. He, he knows. He sees you. There's just something about the Lord knowing us personally that is so helpful and healing to us. 
that we're not just a crowd to him. He knows us all individually by name, and he knows exactly how you feel, and he understands, and he's gracious to you. And let me even add to that. Jesus himself not only is all-knowing, but he is well acquainted with grief, sorrow, and pain. When he walked the earth, you have to get this. This is, this is God in flesh. He did not have a carefree, problem-free, stress-free life. Do you understand that? And so, sometimes, I don't know, there's just something a little bit, maybe, in, maybe it's an American mindset. I don't know exactly what it is, but we kind of have this thought that, you know, everything's just perfect. Everything's just great. If you follow God, everything's just easy. It's just awesome. Well, you, you can't come to that conclusion if you look at the life of Jesus. Okay, he was killed. He was murdered. Okay, he had a, somebody backstab him. Okay, he went through emotional pain. He wept over people that were his friends that died. And so he experienced pain. And Isaiah 53 is an amazing passage that's a prophecy about uh, the suffering Messiah. And I'm going to read a part of that. And we're also going to read this at the end of the service. And we're going to take communion together. But look at this. This is an example of us. Or it's, it's helpful for us to know that Jesus has walked through pain and suffering like we have. Here's what it says, Isaiah 53. It says, he, Jesus, was despised and rejected by men. So he experienced rejection. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Let me read that last part again. And with his wounds, we are healed. Jesus understands and he can sympathize and empathize with our pain and our suffering. But somehow, some way, I don't know exactly how all the dots connect, but don't miss that last uh, verse. Through his pain and his wounds and his suffering, that's where we find our healing. And though... I want to level the playing field, understand all of us experience pain. The reality is all of us together, myself included, let's, let's go to Jesus with our pain so that we can find our healing. And the Lord does want to heal uh, different things in hearts in this room this morning. And so let me just pray for that. Let me pray that the Lord would bring a sense of healing, but we would also have confidence to bring our pain before him today as well. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this verse we just read. Thank you that you are well acquainted with grief, pain, and suffering, and sorrow. Relationally, physically, emotionally, you are well acquainted, Lord. And I just thank you that that means that you understand what we feel and what we walk through. But Lord, we come to you in our weakness, in our brokenness, and in our pain. We come to you, Lord Jesus. You are our only hope. And Lord, today I pray that there would be steps forward in healing. It would be that by your wounds, we would be healed. Lord, not every healing happens just boom all of a sudden, but Lord, I pray that there would be steps forward toward healing today. That all of us would have a sense of peace and rest in our souls and just know that you are a healer. So we give you this morning. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. He's a healer. Look at your neighbor. Say, he's a healer. Go ahead. He's a healer. All right, guys, why don't you turn, if you have a Bible with you, turn to uh, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We are going to be in that passage this morning. So Mark chapter 5. And we're going to be looking pretty much at, it's 
technically one big passage, uh, but there's three different stories in this passage I'm about to read. And we're going to see examples of someone walking through emotional pain, someone walking through physical pain, and someone walking through relational pain. And we're going to see the Lord um, handle all these things. We're going to see the grace of the Lord. We're going to see his healing. And I think it will really help us and inspire us. And my hope is as we look at this, I'm going to kind of pull out things from this passage that are helpful to know about God. But also, I'm going to pull out some things that will be helpful for us as we try to move forward. How do we apply this to our life? Or what, do we, what can we gain from these passages? All right. So Mark chapter 5. And we are going to start in verse, what is it? Verse 21. All right. If you're there, say I'm there. Okay. Most of you are there. All right. So here we go. You ready? Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And I'm just going to um, pause after a few verses here. It says this, When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that, we may be, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. Let's pause there. Let's pause there. So I want you to see here in these first couple of verses, this is a, a guy by the name of Jairus, and he has a daughter that's really sick and about to die. So what I see in Jairus, at least, is that he's working through and experiencing a lot of emotional pain. Like, it would be a great, huge loss and disappointment for him to lose his daughter. Yes? So he's, he's working through grief, sadness, fear. He's got a lot of emotional pain going on in there. But here's a couple things I want you to see. In verse 21, it says that there was a great crowd gathered. You see that? But then, verse 22, it highlights this guy named Jarius. Here is point number one. To get breakthrough and get healing emotionally, we need to come out of the crowd. There's, I don't know, it doesn't say exactly how many people are there, but usually a crowd is more than just a few. <laughs> I think it's more than 100 people or 150 like in this room. There's probably hundreds, if not thousands. Okay, obviously uh, there is gatherings of thousands when Jesus multiplied fish and love. So who knows how many people were there. But here's the first thing that I want you to see is that Jairus came out of the crowd. When we are experiencing pain or we're experiencing hardship, especially in a, even in a room like this, as I'm talking about it so directly, like we, we know we need help, but we feel, I don't know what we feel, but scared or nervous or whatever to like actually step out before the Lord, really is what I'm talking about, and saying, God, I need help. Me, Mitchell, I need help. <laughs> like maybe in general, we'll worship to a song and say, God, help those in need, you know, help them all. It's like, no, 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 no. Come out of the crowd and say, God, I need help. I need healing. That's what Jarius did. He came out of the crowd and said, Jesus, I need some help. The Lord knows you by name. Every one of you in this room, he knows you by name. He knows uh, exactly what you're feeling. And my encouragement to all of us this morning is come out of hiding in the crowd and bring your pain first and foremost to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. He wants to take it. And I believe that through that, the Lord will kind of dismantle or remove lies that kind of float around in our minds sometimes, such as, you know, God's too busy for me. 
or my problem isn't really that big of a deal, or God doesn't care about this thing in my life, or doesn't see this thing in my life. Those are all lies, and the Lord wants to remove those. And here's the second thing I see in verse 22 and 23 as you keep going. It says that Jairus uh, fell at Jesus' feet, and it says implored him earnestly. So I looked up that word implored. It means like he was begging Jesus er like really seriously and probably loudly for him to do a healing. He didn't care what others thought. Remember, there's a crowd still. He comes out of the crowd, so he's got the name. But now, not only that, he's like kneeling and probably raising his voice at Jesus and saying, I need help. So he didn't care what other people thought about him. And here's my point. He got real and he got raw with God. So that's our point number two. If you're working, working through emotional pain, you need to get real and get raw with the Lord. Psalm 62, 8, one of my favorite verses about this topic of being real with the Lord. It says, trust in him at all times, O people. And it says, pour out your heart before him. Everybody say, pour out. Okay, that doesn't mean just like a little trickle. What it means is like a gushing of emotion, of pain, of, of rawness and realness. Pour out your heart before him because God is a refuge for us. So if there's something that you're working through emotionally, there's some pain, my encouragement is get real and get raw. God is, does not need you to pretty up your prayers for him. He is really hard to offend. You know, half the Psalms are David saying, where the heck are you? <laughs> God, there's enemies surrounding me. Are you just going to keep blessing them and destroy me? It's like he's being so real. Like some of us will feel very uncomfortable saying that to God. But the Lord is inviting us into a real, raw relationship with him where we can be honest and not have to pretty up our prayers. Is this making sense? So if you need to, do that today. If there's something you're struggling with, let your emotions come out before the Lord. Now, of course, it's always good to land at a place like David did often in the Psalms as well with, like, God, where are you? But I trust you. <laughs> where are you? I know you're good. You know, but, but it's like, it's okay if you're not, like, feeling it. It's just good to know it's still true. He's, he's good. He's good. He's going to carry me. He's going to help me. I would love for this to all, poof, go away today. But I know you'll at least carry me, Lord. I know you're with me. So let's get real and let's get raw with God. And then last verse I want you to see here in this first passage. It's so simple, but please don't miss it. Verse 24, the very first part of verse 24 of Mark 5. It says, and wait, I, want, I want you to see the verse. Go back to Mark. There it is. Uh, verse 24. There it is. All right. Once, let's all read that last line, that last sentence together. Ready, set, go. And he went with him. He's bringing his pain. He's being real and raw. He's coming out of the crowd. And here is the response of Jesus. He went with him. There was no healing yet. There was no miracle. Nothing changed. Except that Jairus now had Jesus walking with him. And to me, that, that's a change. <laughs> that's a change in the story. So here's the point for us is in the midst of our emotional pain, before the breakthrough, before the healing, before the miracle, Jesus wants to walk with you. One of 
the purposes, not the only purpose, but one of the purposes of our pain in life is not just that Jesus can show us he's really powerful and can fix things, but to show us that he is with us walking closely through, through our pain and our suffering. He is walking with us. It reminds me of Paul said something in Colossians 3. He's like, I want to know the Lord and the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of his suffering. There's something about, I wish there was another way, but this seems very true as you look throughout Scripture and as I think about my life. There is something about our pain and our suffering that we go through that causes us to know the Lord in a deeper way. And we, we find more closeness, more intimacy with him, more understanding when we were walking through something really, really difficult. So the Lord wants to walk with us through our pain. Amen? Amen. All right, let's keep going through this passage. We're going to pick it up, second half of verse 24, and read about 10 verses here. So here we go. It's kind of this story kind of pauses for a second because we don't see the conclusion yet of Jairus' daughter, but here's what it says, verse 24. It says, And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under the many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? In verse 32, he says, And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. To me, sorry, let me just pause it. That just, it's funny to me. It's like she just experienced this powerful healing, but now, now it seems like it's turning into a confessional. <laughs> Here, here's what really happened, Lord. I touched you and you healed me. All right. Verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So cool. What a cool story. Now, a couple things. She came out of the crowd again. Did you notice that? There was a great crowd, and boom, this woman comes out of the crowd. We see it again. So come out of the crowd. But I think it's pretty obvious to see that this woman's main problem was a physical problem. It was a physical illness, a pain that she had had for how long? 12 years. She had reached out for lots of help. But here's the main thing I want you to see in verse 27 and 28. Two things. One says she heard the reports about Jesus. Okay, so she had like heard about this man, Jesus. And then again, verse 28, if I could just touch this man, if I could just get even this, the fringe of his garment, I will, I will be healed. And so here is one point is that she was focused on the Lord's power, and I'll say it this way, his ability to heal, and not as much on her strategy to receive the healing. She was so focused. It wasn't like this, the point of that story, I don't believe, is a strategy is, okay, all you got to do is just touch this specific little left, bottom left corner of the, his garment, and boom, that's where the healing is. <laughs> no, he, she was just so amazed by the reports of this man that she knew that he was so powerful that I didn't have to do much. I just needed, like, just, just to get close enough to this man because he's so powerful. He's such a healer. So here's point number one. If we're walking through physical pain and illness, is that we need to keep the focus on what Jesus can do. Keep the focus on what Jesus can do. 
So for us, especially if we need or we want healing, here's what we're tempted to do. We're tempted to focus on ourselves by thinking things like, am I, am I doing this right? Am I approaching healing correctly? Do I have the perfect doctrine on healing? Am I praying the right type of healing prayer? Do I need to pray louder? Healing! <laughs> or softer? Just touch me, Lord. <laughs> do I have enough faith? How much faith do I need? If I pray louder, does that mean I have more faith? Or quieter, does it mean I have more faith? <laughs> we start to turn the focus away from Jesus and onto us. And this woman was focused on Jesus the whole way. Now, in Christian circles today, actually, it's not all around the world, but mainly in the West, or mainly in America, there is some debate on a couple things related to physical healing. Okay, let me just comment on a couple things. One, there's no debate that I've heard about if Jesus can heal. Because most people, no matter what their background, are smart enough to realize that we probably shouldn't limit God. <laughs> okay? So all of us think, okay, he can. If he wants to, he can. He can. There's some debate on does God still heal today, mainly in the West. Most people that come to know Jesus in the Middle East or specifically I'm thinking of India because I've been there before. Most people come to the Lord because they experience a miraculous healing or a miraculous dream. So they don't struggle with this debate. <laughs> wow, Jesus has authority and power to cast out this thing from my aunt that's been going crazy for years. Okay, he can heal, he can deliver, he can set free. But in, because we're so smart in America, we debate this. <laughs> so there's some debate on does he heal today, and then there's a lot of debate on will he heal in certain uh, situations. And so here, here's my point, here's my encouragement, at least for our church, let's not be distracted with those debates. Let's keep our focus on what Jesus can do and then let him do what he wants to do. <laughs> so don't be distracted. Focus on him, his ability to heal, and his ability to do anything, and I think that's a good, helpful place for us. There's more conversations, of course, we can have, more scriptures, of course, that we can look at, but if that becomes what we focus on, I think we've missed it. Let's keep our focus on what Jesus is able to do, that he can heal. All right, next point I want you to see here is in verse 32 in particular, kind of stopped and, or paused and read it earlier, but it says this, after this whole situation happened, verse 32, it says, he looked, Jesus looked around. Everybody say, looked around. Okay, there, there's something this woman did that made him stop and made him look around to see who had touched him. And here's what I believe caught the attention of Jesus. It was this woman's persevering faith. It was her persevering faith. So point number two is Jesus stops and looks at persevering faith. Now, every person's journey with especially a bigger, I guess, story of physical healing or a bigger need, every person's journey is very different. Some people experience, uh, I've heard plenty of testimonies of an immediate healing that they received because they got prayer one time. Some people, it takes years of prayer for healing until a breakthrough happens. And some people, for whatever reason, do not see a healing on this side of eternity, even though they pray for it. And I will not try to give you an easy answer and a formula of this is how you receive your healing. I think that's just dangerous ground that we don't, we don't need to walk on. 
But I will say this, and no matter what the journey that God has you on, the admonition is persevere. Persevere in faith. Do not give up. Do not quit and keep coming to him. This week as I was preparing, I looked at several just testimonies of people that had experienced miraculous healing. And there's just, every story is so different. There's a guy that I heard his testimony. He had MS for about eight years, and he was praying really the whole time, and he gave up. He got really weary until a breakthrough happened. Year eight, you know, day whatever, I don't know. And he got a healing. There's another woman who looked at, or saw her testimony. She had Crohn's disease, and she was battling it for 17 years, believing for healing and breakthrough, but not seeing it. But 17 years, day whatever, the Lord broke in and brought healing to her. And I share these testimonies because I do, I want us to embrace that value of perseverance regardless on the outcome. And there's different with physical pain and physical sickness, especially because most of us have heard some sort of debate about this topic. There's different ways we can swing. And there's different truths in each direction you go. Like some, it's like, the reality is physical pain, if you're walking through something, it is both a cross to bear to experience the suffering of the Lord, but it's also like a, a place of healing to contend for. It is both. And here's how we swing sometimes. Because we're afraid of being associated with kind of the prosperity gospel, health and wealth, everything, you know, it's like everything's perfect for me all the time, always. Because we're afraid to go there, sometimes we swing maybe too much and say, no, 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 God told me he's not going to heal me. This is a thorn in my side the rest of my life, and I don't even need to pray anymore. That would be interesting if God told you he wasn't going to heal you. Maybe he did. Maybe, maybe not. But I think oftentimes that's a reaction because we don't want to go over there. But here's another way. <laughs> because we don't want to be associated with those of little faith, and because we know God can, he's so powerful, I am never going to the doctor. Doctors are evil, actually. Medicine's evil. I am never changing anything about my eating, sleeping, or exercise, and I am only going to stay in the prayer room 24-7 until I'm healed. I'm going to be drenched with anointing oil every day. I'm going to take a bath in anointing oil. I'm just going to, be, I'm going to get my healing. <laughs> it's dramatic, but I've never taken a bath in anointing oil. But I want you to see the extremity that we can go, and I, I don't think either way is the answer. It is both. If you're experiencing pain today and you're not healed, then it is a cross for you to bear today. And you get to fellowship with the Lord in the suffering. But also, come forward for healing. If you're healed, praise, the, praise God. What a miracle. If you're not, he's with you in your suffering. He's walking with you. And that is a place of intimacy. And it is a place of breakthrough the more we believe he's with us. So let's wrap up this kind of physical pain category with um, really the continuing of the story. Because we jump, now it jumps back to Jairus and his daughter in verse 35. And I want you to notice several things here because I think this will help with this physical pain, physical healing thing. Verse 35 says, While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed, look at verse 37, He allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So he only let Peter, James, and John go. Verse 38. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. 
And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took, okay, here, here it goes again, just taking a few. He took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. She was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And look at verse 43. He strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Here's what I want you to see in that passage is multiple times. There's three, three verses where clearly Jesus is allowing only a few people to experience his healing. Peter, James, and John. Then he got the crowd out, and it's just the child's father and mother and those that were with him. I don't know if that was referring, verse 40, to Peter, James, and John. So it's just mom and dad. And then the very end, he closes out the miraculous healing with don't tell anybody. Here is what I think I, I want us to, to see here. When a physical healing, especially if something has been going on for a long time, it is deeply personal. It is not a show. It is deeply, deeply personal, and it is not a show. Physical healing is not something that we can bring somebody up on stage so we can show how, like, we almost kind of, we want to show how awesome God is, but it's just so easy for the people involved to also get some glory. Jesus himself, the one who, the son of God. It's like it would make sense for him to like let everybody know that I healed, you know, I'm the Messiah. You know, it's like, hello, I healed him. He says, don't tell anybody. Because even Jesus in his human nature knew the temptation to try to take glory and credit. But he said, no, 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 no. This is deeply personal and we don't need to make a show out of this. So that is point number three on physical healing. Healing is deeply personal to the Lord. It was just a few people in the room and he told them not to publicize it. It was not a show. He wasn't trying to prove anything, and he wasn't trying to gain a following. He was ministering to this dad and his daughter very personally. The Lord heals people because he loves them, and he wants individuals to receive that personal exchange and experience of his love. If you are walking through something difficult physically, you know no matter where, if you've got, kind of went on one of these extremes I was explaining earlier, you know that God knows that you know if he were to heal you, it would mean a lot to you. Even if you've come up with this grand idea about why you're not going to get your healing, God knows that you know it's, it would mean a lot to you. And it would do something in your heart of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you love me this much that you would do this. And I just want, I want you to see that personal nature of this healing. And so for us, I mean, we believe that God can physically heal people. In fact, at the end of the service today, if you are walking through something, whether it's major or minor, it's been going on for years, we want to pray for you to be healed. James 5.14 says, if, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so we're going to do that. We're going to practice that this morning if you want to receive healing. But this is not a show for us. This is an opportunity for us to, if you are struggling with something and you want physical healing, to receive healing from the Lord because it's deeply personal to you. And we're not going to make you get up on stage and share the testimony. It's just we want you to walk away healed and touched by God. All right, let's keep going here. 
Last little section here is not just do we struggle with physical pain and emotional pain, but also relational pain. And we're going to keep, the story keeps going. Well, I guess the story changes a little bit, but chapter changes. Look at chapter 6, verse 1, and we're going to look at how there's some relational pain going on. And it's, in fact, Jesus that is experiencing this relational pain. Verse 6 through, verse, sorry, verse 1 through 6. Says, and he went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother, brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And don't miss this. They took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could not do, he could do no mighty work there, except, of course, that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's apparently not a mighty work. <laughs> Verse 6, And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about among the villages teaching. All right. I love that. So here's a couple things about relational pain that Jesus walked through, and I think it would be helpful for us just to remember in regards to relational pain. One, just like it says in verse, uh, end of verse three, it says they took offense at him. Here's the reality of human nature. If you've been a human long enough, you will know that this is true. Offense will come. You will, hopefully accidentally, but sometimes on purpose, offend people. <laughs> and you will be offended by other people. So that's point number one. Offense will come, and there's some, something about that that helps me respond better when I'm not, like, in surprise and shock mode that somebody did something to me that offends me or that I did something to someone else that offends them. So one, just that awareness is helpful. Number two, it, when offense comes, here's point number two. It'll be on the screen. I think it's important to accept it and process it. Accept it and process it. Kind of the opposite of that would be, like, denying it and I love that that's what we don't see Jesus do this it says they took offense in him and then Jesus didn't like deny or defend he didn't say oh no 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 that's that's not what I meant no 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 what I mean is here's my heart here's my t- no. he didn't do that but he also didn't defend himself like excuse me do you know who I am <laughs> I can do whatever I want to do in whatever city I want to do it in I'm the son of God you know like he didn't deny he didn't like defend himself. He accepted it, and he processed it by a couple things. He, quote, he like, went to Scripture, because this is a reference. He's like, a prophet, okay, Jesus. I like, or, Jesus probably said, Father. <laughs> he didn't say Jesus. You know, like, here, here I am. Like, I remember this prophecy. A prophet is not accepted in his hometown. Okay, he's processing it. He's saying something out loud. He's not like belittling it, it, pretending like it didn't exist, or stuffing it. He's acknowledging that there is some offense with these people here. And then he continued to pray. He continued, and in verse six, as he marveled, he like thought about it. He processed it. Wow, this is hard. Wow, they're not believing. Okay, do you you see that? With us, we need to accept and process before the Lord when we get offended or when we offend other people. Because in that place, talking it through with the Lord is where you're going to find relational healing. And the Lord might give you some wisdom to have a follow-up conversation with the person. And hopefully, it will reconcile and bring healing to the relationship. And then last thing I want you to see here is the very, very, very end of verse 6. It's so simple, but it says, He went about 
among the villages teaching. So here's what Jesus did. He kept moving forward. He kept moving forward. Relational pain, specifically rejection by others, has this particular tendency to make us feel stuck or live stuck. Because you have these thoughts, these questions. You know you've made somebody mad or someone's made you mad, and you're kind of thinking, well, well, what if, what if they're right? What if, what if there's something wrong with me? Or you start to think, I don't want to make people mad again, so let me not do that again. Let me not say that again. And there's something about it that makes us feel stuck, but here's what I think the Lord is inviting us into. Just like we see Jesus doing is he kept moving forward. He wasn't surprised because he knew offense would come. He accepted it and processed it with God, and then he kept moving forward. He didn't stay stuck. So that's my encouragement for us as a church is when we walk through a relational pain, let's keep moving forward by the grace of God. And the band, go ahead and come on up. I'm going to close it with one last story, and then we're going to just have time to pray for, for each other. But through emotional pain, through physical pain, and through relational pain, remember this. The Lord knows what you're feeling, and he is very gracious. Look at your neighbor again and say, God is gracious. If you're experiencing pain, the Lord wants to walk with you closely. He wants to hear you out. He wants to bring peace and comfort and healing to your soul. You know, he fully understands. He's so gracious. I'm going to close with a story that um, was really, is a really big part of my testimony. And the Lord really used it to mark me, change me, mature me, help me, heal me. Um, but it was very painful. <laughs> so here's, um, here's a story. It, it's about the church that I got saved at. I got saved at 17. And um, grew up going to church, but just did not have any clue about the gospel. And um, got saved, this amazing church. And um, started growing a lot there. That's when I first started getting discipled. I learned how to spend time with God. I was getting freedom and breakthrough from major sin struggles in my life. I was really experiencing the Lord in a really powerful, profound way. And I'm so thankful for that community and that place, that environment where I could really grow. But about... um, I think it was about two years later, uh, there was an interesting leadership change with the youth pastor, and I, and I was really, really close to the youth pastor. And it was, it was an interesting change. I was a little bit removed from the situation because I was a, a sophomore in college, about an hour and a half away. But as I started to hear more of the story unfold, um, I realized that some of the members of the church were told to completely sever all ties with this youth pastor and his family and like have no relationship with them at all. And that was hard for me to hear. <laughs> and again, I was a little removed, so I didn't really like, I heard like, really? And then a month or two later, I got invited into a serious meeting uh, with some of the leadership of the church and they told me the same thing. You need to stop hanging out with his family. I'm like, why? What's so wrong with him? I was like, what's going on? And there was a few reasons that were given, and I was like, this still feels so strange. And it was very difficult, and I, I uh, left that meeting and went to go talk to my youth pastor. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't applying the, the, the words yet. I was like, hey, this is what they said. Are you guys just evil? What's going on? And literally, with tears in his eyes, the youth pastor told me, Mitchell, like, you might as well just do what they say, because it's going to be hard for you if you don't. And that was just amazing. Um, and they were not perfect. 
but that was helpful. And I really prayed through it, really struggled through it. And this was a very marking moment early into my walk with God. And I remember just weeping, praying, like before I had to go kind of tell the leadership my decision. And um, it, was, it was a wrestle. But I kind of came to the conclusion that I, I didn't feel like it was right for me to completely break my relationship with these people. And so I had to communicate that to the leadership. And, and honestly, surprisingly, I mean, um, well, at least <laughs> the main guy was really gracious. He said, hey, thank you for praying it through. I understand, but that you can't do that. There might be a few ramifications, like, man, I'm not, probably not going to ask you to be a leader here at this church, blah, 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 something like that. Um, but I guess I didn't, what I didn't know is that my decision had some consequences with it. And I didn't know this, but I was, at the time, kind of put on the naughty list. And uh, some of the youth, youth group members were kind of told to keep their distance from Mitchell. And so much so that during a Thanksgiving break, just a few months later, I tried to host a birthday party for a friend at my house. And the day before, one of the youth leaders called me and said, hey, Mitchell, I'm sorry, but we can't have this party at your house. And I was like, why? And he said, well, <laughs> we don't want the other youth members to catch your same spirit of rebellion and be negatively affected by you. So apparently I was pretty contagious. And that was very difficult to hear. And um, that kind of spiraled into several more meetings that I had over a couple months span. Even my parents were kind of brought into it a little bit. And it kind of turned into this huge mess. And here's my point of this story is it was extremely painful in here. My first strong Christian friends, in a sense, turning on me and saying, we can't hang out with you anymore. But here's what I did. I cried out to God for healing. I got really raw and really emotional with God. Remember, after leaving one of those meetings, I'm in my car driving away, and I'm praying, and I just start pounding my steering wheel. Thankfully, I stayed on the road. <laughs> and I was just, like, just expressing how, like, angry and frustrated and hurt I was. God, what is going on? But here's a prayer that I remember coming to my mouth. This was years ago. I was like, God, this hurts, but I will forgive them. I will not hold this against them, pounding my steering wheel. I will not cave under this pain and land and bitterness and offense the rest of my life. But I, but I had to stay there a while. <laughs> like, it was, it was at least over a year. It was a couple-year process of kind of those types of moments, not that raw every time. But here, that's what I did. I got real and raw, and here's what God did. He walked with me in my pain for a long time. There's multiple times I just wept. How could this be? How could these friends not be my friends anymore? He gave me grace to forgive. I forgave them. I said, Lord, I will not hold this against them. I forgive them by your grace. He helped me come out of fear and mistrust of church leaders. So much so that I am one. <laughs> it's just funny. And he filled my heart with love and compassion for the very people that hurt me. I remember it was maybe a year and a half, two years after this moment. I was going through this journey. It was messy at times. And I remember seeing some of the leaders that decided this and said this against me at some sort of event. And I saw them, and my heart was filled with love. And I went up to the pastor guy that got rid of me and gave him a hug. Now, I don't know if he, received, like, if he gave the hug back. I don't know exactly what happened. But I was like, I was like, it was so encouraging to me about what God did in my heart. Like he, had, he healed something there. 
And I was able to love and embrace those that had hurt me. And so I just so I'm so it was such a hard season, but I'm so thankful that that's part of my story. Because I know in this room there's people that have had physical or uh, relational rejection and pain. And I just want you to know the Lord wants to heal you. You don't have to stay in, in bitterness or offense or mistrust the rest of your life. It was hard. There's times where I'm like, I don't know if I can trust that church leader. You know, it was hard. But if you keep coming to the Lord, crying out for your healing, being real and raw with him, there's healing on the other side. So here's how we're going to close. Underneath your chair, there's a little uh, cup for communion. Go ahead and pull that out right now. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to close with communion, and then we're going to have a time of response and prayer. And what I'm going to do, like I had mentioned earlier, I'm going to read one more time. I'm going to read Isaiah 53. And as I read it, you, you can follow along on the screen if you want to. But I almost, maybe even more so, want you to just close your eyes and imagine Jesus on the cross, experiencing all this pain. And, and any emotional, physical, or relational pain that you have, as I read this verse, I want you to imagine your pain on Jesus on the cross. His wounds, his pain that he experienced is your healing. And after I read this verse, I'll pray a quick prayer. And then whenever you're ready, I would love for you to take communion just as a remembrance of the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. So if you want to, close your eyes or you can follow along on the screen. He, Jesus, was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we remember what you've done. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your pain. Thank you for your suffering that you went through. We picture you even now on the cross breaking your body and shedding your blood for us. And Lord, this morning, as we take communion, we remember what you've done and we let you take all of our pain on you. When you're ready, go ahead and take communion. Thank you, Jesus. We receive your grace. We receive your washing. We receive your healing by your wounds. Thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. And Lord, we invite your presence to come. Thank you that you've been here this whole time, but Lord, we ask for you to heal in this room this morning, Lord. Would you touch every heart that needs an emotional healing today? Would you touch every body that needs a physical healing today? God, would you touch every single person that needs a relational healing today? Would you heal our wounds today, Lord? In Jesus' name.
All right, so here's how we're going to close. The band's going to lead us in a song. And if I can have some of our life group leaders and staff, if you guys can make your way forward. What we'd like to do to close out our service is just give people a, res- a time to respond in prayer to what God is doing inside of you. And today's call is, is pretty simple. You know, if you have any emotional pain, any physical pain, any um, relational pain, and you want some healing, then I want to encourage you to come forward to, I'm going to say it again, come out of the crowd, make your need known um, to the Lord and to one of these people here that love you and care about you. And all of these people need some prayer too, you know, just for things in their life. But specifically, um, here's, here's a couple things that I want to make note, if you need physical healing, and especially if it's something that you've been carrying for a long, long time, then just like James 5, 14 says, we're going to um, have me and Larry and maybe our wives are going to join us um, down here kind of towards the very front, and in, just like the scripture says, we also have anointing oil. I don't know exactly why, but it's in the Bible, and so I'm going to use it, and uh, we're going to pray for your healing, and we can't force or make anything happen, but we want to give God an opportunity for healing this morning if there's something that you're carrying that you want some healing for us. So if, that, if something physical, especially if it's been going on for a long time, then go ahead and come up to the front, me and Larry and our, and our wives. But here's a couple other things as we were praying before the service with the worship team. A couple maybe specifics if this is for you, then I think the Lord may want to do something this morning. One is <clears throat> someone really struggling with the spirit of offense. When I was talking about offense earlier, maybe that was really resonating with you and you have some offense towards someone or you know someone has offense towards you. I think the Lord wants to set you free from that spirit of offense. Another thing is suicidal thoughts. I mentioned struggling with anxiety and depression, and if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, the Lord sees you, he knows you, your life matters so much, and, and let us minister to you today. Come get prayer. A couple of physical things. Um, a right foot, particularly an ankle, that might need some healing. Maybe some nagging or cyclical headaches that you've been experiencing. Maybe the Lord wants to heal you. And two other more relational things would be family hurt, family pain that you might be walking through right now, and also like a sense or a feeling of abandonment, just being left. So if any of those things resonate with you, I encourage you to come receive some prayer this morning. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. And I'm going to pray one more time, and just as I pray, if any of those things resonate with you, or you just have something in general that you want some prayer for, some covering, somebody else to stand with you and walk with you, then we want to pray for you this morning, all right? And again, if you need physical healing, just go ahead and come on forward to the front. So Lord, here we are. We just, again, we ask you to come. We ask you to minister to us. I ask that you would give boldness and courage in this crowd today for every one of us that need a touch from you in some one of these areas. Would you give a boldness to come out of the crowd and to, re- to receive prayer today? Lord, we trust you with the results. We release the results to you, but Lord, would you come? Would you minister your healing presence in this room, emotionally, physically, and relationally? Lord, touch our hearts. You know what we need. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come forward for prayer if you need some prayer, or just worship right where you are.